Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Brian, thanks so much again for taking the time to chat with me and congrats on all the success with The Descendant. I know that it's been doing really well with rentals once it dropped last month and coupled with the critical praise, it's been great. So congrats on everything. Um, but I wanted to go back to the beginning. Um, I wanted to know how soon after learning the news of um, Jamal Khashoggi's death in October 2018, did you begin to have this kernel of an idea to have this be your next film? Um, it was uh, it was kind of uh, uh, in- instantaneous. I mean, it was as the news was unfolding under those first couple weeks uh, in October, um, you know, the, the story just immediately riveted me. I mean, uh, uh, journalist, uh, goes missing uh, from a consulate, um, you know, Washington Post writer. Um, and, uh, and, and it was hitting on all these, um, <clears throat> um, you know, things that were important to me, um, you know, uh, freedom of press, freedom of speech, um, you know, an authoritarian government that believed uh, that it could, uh, you know, kill someone uh, and, uh, and and take them, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and take them, uh, uh, you know, dismember them uh, in, a for, in a foreign country. Uh, and then as, you know, you dug below the surface, the story that was coming forward um, that Jamal was Muslim Brotherhood, which he wasn't. That he was a terrorist sympathizer, which he wasn't. That he supported Bin Laden, which he didn't. Um, and and rather, the guy was a moderate, um, an intellectual. He was educated in the West. He was fluent in English. He had spent his life going back and forth between Washington, London, and Saudi Arabia. Um, and what he was writing about was not as a as a dissident, um, but it was as a a moderate who had been educated in the West and, and, and believed that under Mohammed bin Salman, his country was going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, so there were just, you know, all these tentacles that just immediately, um, you know, perked up my ears. And, and the question really became for me um, was, you know, could I, you know, could I, uh, uh, do this story justice? Um, could I, um, you know, gain access um, to the components uh, in this story, mainly Atija Jenga's, um, Omar Abdulaziz, and uh, um, and the, uh, the Turkish government um, to be able to to craft something that was not going to be an archival film, um, but rather was going to be a, you know, of the moment, uh, as I saw it, uh, cinematic thriller. I wanted to touch on um, sort of the time frame that it took you to um, plan and complete this film. Um, of course, it premiered at Sundance last year in 2020. So you had about a year between Khashoggi's death and the film 
finally being seen in front of audiences. Obviously, political documentaries could take several years to complete. This took, you know, just about a year for you, it seems. So how are you able to complete it so quickly, considering the planning and the coordinating of interviews that you had to do for the film? Um, did you feel any sort of pressure in getting this out as soon as possible? Well, you know, I am uh, grateful that we were able to premiere at Sundance uh, uh, before, you know, uh, before uh, COVID ground things to halt. Um, post Sundance, um, we continued to do about six months uh, oh, work, okay. uh, finishing work to the film, uh, because you know when when you're uh, when you get into the festival, you got six weeks to finish your movie, and uh, and so it's just a mad uh, dash rather than. Um, really having, at least for me, uh, the time to put all the, the polishes on it. So, you know, following Sundance, we were able to spend another six months working on uh, graphics, um, really uh, bringing out the whole uh, transcript sequence uh, where at Sundance, I was kind of in a, on a raw state, um, went back and redid the sound mix, uh, did uh, finish the, the score. Uh, so it was, it was some pretty major work that was done to the film. Uh, but, you know, but in the making of it, um, you know, I, uh, from the outside, I, I kind of knew the story I wanted to tell. Um, and so while I was shooting and Jake Swanko was shooting kind of all over the world, um, we had a team in Los Angeles, you know, my, my creative team, and um, I had four editors uh, working full time on the project. Each one of those editors had their own assistant editor. Uh, plus, I had a, a pretty substantial uh, archival and research team. Uh, and then what encompassed uh, a couple hundred graphic artists. So we were just uh, kind of firing on, on all cylinders there, um, driving to try to uh, complete the film um, in time. But, you know, here I am two years and four months later, and this is still uh, my full-time uh, endeavor. Uh, so uh, well, while the film might have been uh, completely completed, uh, whatever it's been now, six, seven months, eight months ago, um, uh, this is still, um, you know, my, my taking up my, my work and bandwidth. Right. Um, so you captured some really incredible interview footage unique to the film from Khashoggi's fiance, as well as family members and friends. Um, could you talk a little bit about the um, sort of journey to try to track them down or find them? And how were you able to convince them once you did find them to be to get involved and be a part of this film? Well, um, you know, from, from the outset, um... Uh, the only way that I would have embarked uh, on making the film um, was if I was able to uh, have the participation of Hatija and of Omar, because um, it just, I, I didn't want uh, to tell uh, an archival news story. Um, and, and of course, their journey and what was going on um, was so Oh, in the moment. Um, and, and I wanted to tell a story um, that was really looking into the aftermath of Khashoggi's murder. Um, and, and what these victims um, were, were dealing with uh, on top of what were uh, the real world implications 
and what you know had come following uh, you know the the murder. So um, you know I I was able to make a contact to Atisha about a month uh, after uh, Jamal uh, uh, was gone, and she didn't speak English at the time, but she invited me to Istanbul. Um, and said, look, you know, I'm not ready to participate in anything, but, you know, I, uh, I respect your work and uh, uh, you sound nice. And if you want to come and sit and meet with me, I'll take a meeting. Mm-hmm. So I flew to Istanbul and spent five weeks uh, there, uh, the first trip, uh, not shooting, uh, not shooting, mm-hmm. um, just building trust, wow. building, uh, building uh, a bond. And talking about, you know, um, the work uh, that I saw ahead um, and explaining to her um, what I saw the process would be. But most importantly, you know, just telling her, listen, um, I'm not here for a day or a week or a month. And, and that was part of me being in Istanbul for five weeks that first time. It was letting her realize that I was there and that I was patient and that I was serious and, you um, and that we were going to become, you know, partners um, in this journey. Um, and the same thing with Omar Abdulaziz. Um, you know, uh, before he actually agreed to fully participate in the film, uh, we had been shooting together for six months. Um, and each time we shot, uh, I would literally leave him uh, all the all the camera cards. And we did that because, you know, not only was he uncertain of his participation at the time. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was letting him, because this was his life and his story, um, be in control of, of when he decided and he was ready to actually really uh, participate. And, um, and while that was kind of a risky uh, scenario uh, to, to go into where you're, you know, uh, not only spending a ton of uh, resources, but time and energy not knowing fully whether or not that person is going to uh, end up granting you access. Um, it really allowed um, for us to build trust and for him to know that, you know, I wasn't there to go shoot an interview, take his story, take his, his evidence and, 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 and run. But that, you know, I was looking at this, that, that we were um, in the long haul together and, uh, and certainly um, you know, I think I think of the two of them, uh, Fatija and Omar, as brothers and sisters to me at this point. Um, and the trust that was built with the Turkish government was similar um, in uh, uh, in in that in that regard. I mean, look at the intelligence uh, CIA intelligence report. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, apparently, is going to be coming out today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is declassifying the findings of the Khashoggi murder and. Um, you know, uh, that's already uh, incredible progress, um, you know, under, uh, you know, under the administration. He also, um, you know, has put a $500 million block on the weapon sales, uh, condemning the war in Yemen. So we're seeing some real uh, immediate changes coming uh, uh, from the Biden administration. The not having a global streamer aside, uh, you know, I, I remain very optimistic that, uh, those that need to see the film um, will find it. And certainly there's a lot of uh, uh, public policy stuff that the Human Rights Foundation, the back of the film, uh, has been doing. 
uh, to bring visibility to it and to have the people that really need to see it, see it. Speaking to that point, though, even though it wasn't on a global streamer such as Netflix, it's still doing incredibly well. I think that opening weekend on iTunes, it was the third most rented film, which is incredible for any film, especially for a documentary. So I'd love to know what you think um, is the reason for audiences gravitating toward The Dissident once it was finally released. Well, I think I think probably there was a, a large part to do with, um, you know, Icarus was so well watched uh, and seen. And part of the marketing behind the dissonance, we made it clear that it was, you know, from the director of Icarus. Um, you know, there was uh, a lot of attention on the Khashoggi murder. You know, I think anybody who followed the news over the last few years was aware of this story. Um, I think the trailer shows that the film plays as a thriller. There was a lot of press uh, that came from it. Uh, you know, we, we had uh, some great reviews, a lot of wonderful reviews. And so I, I think uh, that combined, um, you know, into, uh, you know, bringing uh, some uh, anticipation for the film and help drive uh, the VOD release. Mm-hmm. And what do you hope audiences take away after seeing this? Is there a certain political awareness of some sort that you want audiences to have after watching? You know, I, I really try not to, um, you know, the, you know, I, I view myself as storyteller, a filmmaker first, you know, a, an activist and, you know, and that kind of work and the human rights work that I'm doing, um, you know, is part of that. But, I don't get tied to an outcome. Like I don't look at something as, you know, this is going to be, you know, that if I don't garner an award, the film's not successful. Or mm-hmm. uh, if, uh, if this doesn't happen, then the film's not successful. Um, I, I think the biggest outcome that I could hope for would be a, uh, a real reforming of Saudi Arabia's uh, uh, human rights policy in jailing uh, members of the press and journalists and dissidents and anyone uh, who you know who has an opinion um, that doesn't align with uh, Mohammed bin Salman's, um, and I think you know businesses uh, and countries re-examining uh, their relationship uh, with the kingdom that is willing to uh, commit such uh, outrageous uh, uh, and atrocious crimes. Uh, uh, against those that, uh, uh, you know, that wish to uh, have their voices heard. Right. Well, um, thank you so much again, Brian, for taking the time to chat and congrats on the film having done so well so far. Uh, thanks, Max. It's much appreciated. And uh, uh, thanks for taking the time to, to speak with me. Of course. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.